Chapter 5. He can deal gently. Hebrews 5.2. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. In ancient Israel, the king represented God to the people, while the priest represented the people to God. The king provided authority over the people. The priest provided solidarity with the people. The book of Hebrews is in the Bible to tell us what it means for Jesus to be our priest, the true priest, the priest of whom every other is a shadow and to whom every other is a pointer. The priests of Israel were themselves sinful, so they needed to offer sacrifices not only for the sins of the people but also for their own sins. Not only were the priests of Israel sinners by definition, they were clearly sinners by practice. Some priests of old were among the most heinous characters of the Old Testament. Think Hopni and Phineas, for example. I don't know what story that is. It's in 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 4. We today need a priest no less than ancient Israelites. We need someone to represent us to God. But the priests of old were at times so disappointing, so evil, so harsh. But if our priest himself knew what our weaknesses felt like, so that he was in the deepest sympathy with us, yet had never himself sinned, and so his heart had never turned in on himself in self-pity or self-absorption, that would be a priest truly able to deal gently with us. Hebrews 5 continues the line of thought considered in our last chapter, where we looked at the end of Hebrews 4. There we considered the way in which Christ's heart is drawn out to his people with them in their pain and distress. Now in Hebrews 5, we consider a further truth, the manner in which he handles his people to whom he is drawn. We see the what of Christ's priestly role and the how. What is the how? How does he priest gently? The Greek word underlying deal gently shares a common root with sympathize. And the original hearers and readers of Hebrews would likely have picked up on this in a way that is missed in English. We also find in both texts the repeated Greek verb dunamai, even in the same verbal form, as well as repeated mention of weakness. Let me give you the two phrases transliterated so that you can get a sense of the parallel that the original hearers would have noticed. Let me put this kitten outside. There you go. Um, dunamenan sympathesai tois means able to sympathize with the dot dot dot. And then metriopathine danunanan toas. He can deal gently with the dot dot dot. I don't know what they're trying to get at right now. Along with the repeated word dunamenan, which means one who is able to, or one who has the capability to, Note the common root to the key verb in each phrase, which is underlined. Path, pathane. Um, 
We noted in the previous chapter that sunpathasai means to co-suffer in the sense of feeling out of his full solidarity with us. While you can see the way this Greek word gives us our English word sympathy, the meaning is richer than sympathy tends to denote in our minds. Now in verse 5 too, as the writer continues to lay out how Jesus is our great high priest, we find the word metriopathane. This is the only use of this verb in the New Testament. It means exactly what is given in the text, to deal gently. The prefix metrio has the sense of restraint or moderation, and the root patheo refers to passion or suffering. The idea here in 5.2 is that Jesus does not throw his hands up in the air when he engages sinners. He is calm, tender, soothing, and restrained. He deals with us gently. With whom does he deal gently? Those of reasonable and moderate failure? Surely, reserving a harsher response for the bigger sinners? A careful reading of the text does not allow us to conclude this. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. The ignorant and wayward are not two kinds of mild sinners, cordoned off from the major sinners. No, this is the writer's way of including everyone. In the Old Testament, and remember how richly and pervasively built out of the Old Testament this letter to the Hebrews is, we find that there were basically two kinds of sins, unwillful and willful, or accidental or deliberate, or as Numbers 15 puts it, unintentional or with a high hand. This is almost certainly what the writer to the Hebrews has in mind with ignorant, referring to accidental sins, and wayward, referring to deliberate sins. In other words, in Hebrews 5.2, saying Jesus can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward. The point is that Jesus deals gently and only gently with all sinners who come to him, irrespective of their particular offense and just how heinous it is. What elicits tenderness from Jesus is not the severity of the sin, but whether the sinner comes to him. Whatever our offense, he deals gently with us. If we never come to him, we will experience a judgment so fierce it will be like a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth at us. If we do come to him, as fierce as his lion-like judgment would have been against us, so deep will his lamb-like tenderness for us. We will be enveloped in one, in one or the other. To no one will Jesus be neutral. Consider what all this means. When we sin, we are encouraged to bring our mess to Jesus, because he will know just how to receive us. He doesn't handle us roughly. He doesn't scowl and scold. He doesn't lash out the way many of our parents did. And all this restraint on his part is not because he has a diluted view of our sinfulness. He knows our sinfulness far more deeply than we do. Indeed, we are aware of just the tip of the iceberg of our depravity, even in our most searching moments of self-knowledge. His restraint simply flows from his tender heart for his people. 
Hebrews is not just telling us that instead of scolding us, Jesus loves us. It's telling us the kind of love he has. Rather than dispensing grace to us from on high, he gets down with us. He puts his arm around us. He deals with us in the way that is just what we need, gently. Perhaps the most significant commentary yet written on the letter to the Hebrews was the work of John Owens. Of the 23 volumes that presently make up Owens' collected works, seven of these are a verse-by-verse walkthrough of Hebrews. This took him almost 20 years to complete, the first volume being published in 1668 and the last one in 1684. What does this great exposition of Hebrews say about what Hebrews 5.2 is trying to tell us? Owen writes that when we are told that the high priest can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward, this means that he can no more cast off poor sinners for their ignorance and wanderings than a nursing father should cast away a suckling child for its crying. This ought to be with a high priest, and thus is it with Jesus Christ. He is able with all meekness and gentleness with patience and moderation, to bear with the infirmities, sins, and provocations of his people, even as a nurse or a nursing father bears with the weakness of a poor infant. Jesus can no more bring himself to stiff-arm you than the loving father of a crying newborn can bring himself to stiff-arm his dear child. Jesus' heart is drawn out to you. Nothing can chain his affections to heaven. His heart is too swollen with endearing love. More than this, Christ's meekness and gentleness, his patience and moderation, is not peripheral or accidental to who Christ is, as if his truest delights lie elsewhere. This very care, this gentle dealing with our sinners, with all kinds of sinners, is what is most natural to him. Owen goes on to say that Christ does not in his dealings with us more properly or more fully set out any property of his natural nature than he does his compassion, long-suffering, and forbearance. In other words, when Jesus deals gently with us, he is doing what is most fitting and natural to him. Indeed, given the depths of our sinfulness, the fact that Jesus has not yet cast us off proves that his deepest impulse and delight is patient gentleness. Owen says that his gentle dealing by the high priest is applied to Christ Jesus, is a matter of the highest encouragement and consolation unto believers. Were there not an absolute sufficiency of this disposition in him, and that is, unto all occurrences, he must he must needs cast off all our displeasure. Some of this language is difficult to read. That's Owen's old-fashioned, clunky way of saying, Our sinfulness runs so deep that a tepid measure of gentleness from Jesus would not be enough. But as deep as our sinfulness is, ever deeper is his gentleness. But why? Why does Christ deal gently with us? The text tells us, since he himself 
is beset with weakness. Hmm. Most immediately, this refers to the high priesthood generally. This is clear from the next verse, which speaks of the high priest needing to offer sacrifice for his own sins, which Jesus did not need to do. But remember, what we see a few verses earlier in 4.15, Jesus himself, while without sin, is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. As one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, Jesus had zero sin, but he did experience everything else that it means to live as a real human being in this fallen world. The weaknesses of suffering, temptation, and every other kind of human limitation. The various high priests through Israel's history were sinfully weak. Jesus, the high priest, was sinfully weak, or sinlessly weak. Contrary to what we expect to be the case, therefore, the deeper into weakness and suffering and testing we go, the deeper Christ's solidarity with us. As we go down into pain and anguish, we are descending ever deeper into Christ's very heart, not away from it. Look to Christ. He deals gently with you. It's the only way he knows how to be. He is the high priest to end all high priests. As long as you fix your attention on your sin, you will fall to see how you... <clears throat> as long as you fix your attention on your sin, you will fail to see how you can be safe. But as long as you look to, to this high priest, you will fail to see how you can be in danger. Looking inside ourselves, we can anticipate only harshness from heaven. Looking out to Christ, we can anticipate only gentleness.